So good evening, everyone, everyone on screen. Uh, to give a title um, to this brief talk tonight, Surface Calmness and Deep Serenity. And I'll just begin by reading you something which I wrote the other day. Meditation is a way of cultivating serenity by regulating our emotions in the face of life's changing fortunes and misfortunes. Let me read it again. Meditation is a way of cultivating serenity by regulating our emotions in the face of life's changing fortunes and misfortunes. So sometimes you get the impression in some Buddhist teachings that um, <coughs> serenity is like being uh, not having emotions. Um, but that's kind of a, a misguided view of detachment. Um, we know as a fact, you know, from biological studies and psychology and so on, that emotions are hardwired into our nervous system and they're there for a reason. We couldn't live without them. It's what being human is, to have emotional experiences. And they, without emotion, our life would be very colourless. And yet at the same time, our emotions can create so much um, suffering for ourselves and other people. Um, one, it's important um, in cultivating serenity, equanimity. Um, one, one, one important part of it is, is actually having words to describe the, the, the range of our emotional experiences. And I remember years ago reading in one of Jack Cornfield's books that when they began um, a retreat, the evening of the retreat, they would go through as a group um, just picking out all kinds of words that describe emotions in our experience or states of mind and, they, and, and getting a wide range, like getting a, a wide vocabulary so when those experiences come up we go oh yeah that's anger or that's rage or that's sadness or that's happiness or that's bliss or that's dissatisfaction um, putting words to things which is the process of thought labeling that we do um, is a useful part of the practice it's not the be all and end all of it but it is a way of trying to uh, identify those emotional states that are there and, you know, the, the emotions that are wired into us, we've got a, a fight-flight mechanism, which is the basis of fear and anger, aggression. Um, we have socialised emotions like shame and sadness, um, disgust even, and we have positive emotional experiences like joy and, and love and all the different variations on that. Um, and... There's two types of meditation that are that are identified in um, the Eightfold Path in Buddhism. One is concentration, right concentration, and right mindfulness. And the Buddha, and also I think Dharma teachers generally feel that mindfulness is a deeper, more inclusive kind of practice than what concentration is. But concentration is very important and You've probably heard me talk about it in other talks on meditation, that 
I think a lot of people go straight into practicing mindfulness without practicing concentration to begin with. And they haven't got the basics, they haven't got the the steadiness of focus of mind to really get the best out of mindfulness. But if you if you do concentration practice, um, you can create a surface kind of calmness because you've pushed everything out of your mind. You push thoughts out of your mind, memories out of your mind, emotions out of your mind, and you can create this little bubble of calmness. And it's fine. It's a beginning. It gives us a, a way of understanding what it is to be calm, but it's very much on the surface. If I can give you an example from my own experience, when I first went to Hawaii back in the 1970s um, to practice then, and my practice was concentrating on the koan mu, and I could do a meditate and I could do a session and I could concentrate quite well and I could keep that my mind quite calm, but at the same time, I was re- really grieving the loss of the relationship with my girlfriend that I had in Australia, who I left to go to Hawaii with, and I was I was grieving. So I'd, in the breaks in session, or you know when I wasn't meditating, all of this sadness would just and grief would come surging back in, you know, and then I could meditate and keep it out, and then it would surge back in. Um, so it wasn't really um, a very effective way of dealing with my emotional life, right? Um, but, it ha- but it also had its benefits. So when we, if we just use meditation to create this little bubble of calmness that we can kind of go into, it does have value, um, but it's, it's blocking a whole lot of other range of experiences and it only goes so far. So it's a bit like um, a defence mechanism um, uh, called uh, compartmentalisation. Um, and you, you can easily understand that, like if you've worked um, in emergencies or a nursing profession or, or you know, a hospital or anything like that, um, they know that doctors and nurses and people in emergency fire brigades and so on, can do their work and see blood and guts and everything and people, you know, potentially dying, and they can stay perfectly calm, you know, where those things would normally, you know, distress us, but they've got to stay calm to do their work. And so they've compartmentalised all of the fear and disgust and everything in order to do their work. So it has a, has a value. But if, we, if we, we, we do that in our everyday lives, then we block out all of the emotion, you know, which would naturally arise through relationships and responding to real life situations. So it has its value, but if we relied on that, just like we relied on concentration to develop calm, it's very limited. Mm -hmm. Um, So mindfulness practice is a way where the mind is open to receiving whatever arises, whatever comes into our experience. And so many um, Dharma books, you know, that are written from particularly a Western psychotherapeutic perspective these days, they're all talking about befriending emotions, Mm -hmm. not putting them aside and so on and not dealing with them, but befriending emotions. And it is important um, that that's how 
we um, actually find a deeper sense of serenity by befriending emotions rather than pushing them away or ignoring them or belittling them. And, um, and it's by that process of inclusion, being friendly to them, non-judgmental, yet being able to inhibit acting out on negative or destructive emotions as well, right? um, you put all that together and that develops a deeper sense of serenity in life. Um, where in everyday life, your, your emotions are going to be challenged to come out in some kind of way. And if you've just put them aside and you've never dealt with them, you'll be so unfamiliar with them when they actually come up in everyday life, you won't know what to do with them, you know, and may well be very unskillful in the way that you act on them. What does happen with um, practice too, and this is where insight into emptiness is so important, and what Joko describes, particularly in that uh, essay on what practice is, is that we, we find serenity in emotions because we find that they're empty in their nature. And by that I mean they don't exist, they're there. Um, but we see they're just energy that tra is transient, that's just coming and going. And the more that we identify with our emotions, my anger, my sadness, my fear, my trauma, the more we've got that my attachment to it, the more we inflame our emotions and get fixated on them and then create stories out of them and they escalate into something much larger than what they are. And the more that we take the I out of it, um, we just see that they're, I think Joko describes it, thoughts and emotions, that they're energy fragments, just a flow of energy going through us. And when we can see that um, when there's no me or my in it, they, they by nature become much easier to regulate. We're not grasping at them and we're not pushing them away, it's just come and go. And they seem to have less, um, less reactivity in them. So it, if we are to um, get to a, a deeper serenity, it clearly means an inclusiveness of our emotions when they come. That's why we have um, the, uh, the the guest house in our sutras as well, where we're welcoming all of those things that actually come to us rather than pushing them away. And if you if you integrate this into what we know about developmental psychology, some people are just um, fortunate enough to have had parents who are very good at empathising with their child's emotions, whenever they come, anger, sadness, fear, whatever it was, mirroring them back, holding the emotions, allowing the child to get the message, this is okay, this is just being human to experience this, and I can hold it for you, and then eventually you can learn to hold it yourself. So good parenting um, actually helps children develop serenity from earlier age and we've got some of that or less of it or we've got it in some areas but not others and then when we start up when we start dharma practice you kind of we build on what we've been what we've been given um, 
and refine what we've been given and we see the blind spots there and we start to include everything. So with mindfulness practice, it's kind of like there's nothing in your mind that you're scared of. What, what, there's, no, there's no holds barred. It looks into every nook and cranny, you know, and dark corner. And it's, it's got the courage to go there, you know, and, and see what's actually there without judgment. And, and the more you can develop the ability to do that, um, it doesn't freak you out. It actually makes you saner. Um, it makes you experience serenity so that whenever these emotions are aroused in everyday life, you, you, you know them. You're not attached to them, but you can use the emotions use, rather than being used by them. Because, like I said in the beginning, they are, they are hardwired into us. Any kind of version of Buddhism or any other religion that thinks that you go into some emotional state or you go beyond emotions, as in passions, um, is not really a, a clear understanding of the, the Buddha's teachings. He was very human. Yeah, and um, and we, we need to embrace that in a way where we're not adding an I, me, mine to our emotional experience.